Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Up The Vibe. Today, I'm joined by Walter Rucker and Gary Borse. Walter is a C5 experiencer, proficient in ET channeled information and an expert on mediumship, physical and mental. He is an experienced teacher of outer body experiences and is also an author of hundreds of videos and articles on the subject of consciousness, spirit communication, and ET interactions. Gary is a nationally recognized artist, conservation activist, and extraterrestrial contact activist and experiencer, and has primarily painted the Florida landscape while raising cattle and horses over two decades on his Florida farm. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having us on, Joe. No problem. It's uh, good to have you on. Thank you for, for coming on the podcast. If you don't mind, uh, Gary, we were, we were talking just before about uh, your your uh, your introduction into CE5. I don't know if you want to uh, carry on with that and just go into your, your story a bit. Sure. Well, for all, my whole life, I was always involved in the UFO uh, uh, realm and I always wanted to know. And I wasn't a big sci-fi uh, fan other than I watched all the movies when I was a kid in the 50s and everything. But I, I wasn't really into science fiction as much as I wanted to see what was real. So, you know, when Eric Von Daniken came out in 1968 or 69 with his Chariots of the Gods, that changed everything for me and got me involved in ancient civilization and all. And then for years, I went on uh, with my life and uh, did all these things, raised kids, uh, ran businesses and everything. And then I, I moved down here and, uh, and uh, after a while, uh, I was having some experiences, but didn't realize that they were extraterrestrials while I was learning the constellations because I could finally see the stars uh, where I live now and I couldn't see them in the city in Chicago. And I was having shooters come across the sky at night when I went out with my cigarette and I look at the stars with my little pen light. And uh, everyone said, well, you see a lot of shooting stars. And I just was just saying, yeah, that's kind of unusual. That's fun. You know, that's great. You know. But then when I met my wife and she turned me on to Gaia Channel and I saw Dr. Greer in serious disclosure, I, I, I was brought up to speed on all the ufology stuff that was going on and all the disclosure movement and everything that I, that I had totally left in the dust. And I was back involved again. And when Dr. Greer said that CE5 is 100% repeatable and anybody can do it, and you can make contact with extraterrestrials, having them just seeing that they're real on my bucket list, I jumped on it right away. So I went and bought his app. I had only a mag light and myself in a chair outside for my first time. And as I sat down, I was meditating. It was one of those beautiful nights with no, no, no clouds and stars were out. It was beautiful. Excuse me, my alarm's going off to remind me. Um, so, I'm sitting in the chair and I and I close my eyes for maybe five minutes, a little more maybe. And I'm and I kind of said like a little prayer and I'm asking him to come and I'm saying, listen, I, I, I got to know if this is real. You guys got to come and really show me because it it means a lot. It's going to change everything. If you show me that you're real and I can talk to you guys, that will just absolutely be unbelievable. So as I did that, I opened my eyes. And I took my mag light between my legs and I aimed it at the sky and I just started flicking and flashing it. This is one of those long beams. I mean, really, really, you can see it really go out there. And a lot of power. And within just a few minutes, there was a flash over my house. And I, and I just jumped out of my chair and I said, oh my God, that's real. I said, what I saw is real, holy cow. And then there was a shooter. And then, and then that just like lifted me up again. And then I saw another one and then I saw a flash and then I just started crying. I mean, I, I, I could just feel all this energy all over me and I could feel the buzz. You know, it's like you just 
have this buzz that you're just so excited. It's so over the top. And I don't know if that was created by myself or if, by my own excitement or if they were actually uh, lifting me up to that vibrational level. Uh, we had that happen here at a CE5 where one of my first timers was here and he had the same experience where he was feeling the vibrations all over his body. And all of a sudden I got a message by the chirpers that said, look up, we're just, we're above you right now. And I told everybody to look up they're right above us. And we all looked up and there was a ship right above wow. us. So, and everyone just went wild and freaked out. So, I mean, falling down you know i mean like it's just unbelievable when these things happen yeah and and that's why when when that happened and i started calling my friends right away hey et's real you guys got to come out here and see this et's real i saw them they're right here they'll come if all you got to do is ask for them and they come and they're laughing they're going, what are you talking about you're crazy what's what's <laughs> going on with you, you know hey listen you guys got to come out here come on out here saturday night i want to show you something you know so finally, I, 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 a lot of people laugh and thinking I, I lost my mind. I was doing drugs, you know. So here I am by myself trying to figure out how, how I can get other people involved. And I'm watching all the videos and the lectures from Dr. Greer. I'm reading all the books and everything. And I'm calling all my friends. And finally, I start getting tricklings of people that are, that are interested in this, plus some of my really close friends. And uh, we started sitting out in groups. And um, every time we had a group, it was phenomenal. Everything that we did all, all these years for the last five years now has just been fantastic and, 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 and uh, loving and uh, just really fun for everybody because the beings are real and they will interact with you if you are sincere and you have that real true desire from yeah. your heart. You got to open your heart up. You have to not be afraid and you have to be saying hey look i want to know what's real and i and i'd like to make friends with you guys i'll i'll share what i'm doing in my studio and you can see what i'm doing and and see what i'm listening to and the music i'll play some songs for you and stuff and then you know you maybe you guys can give me some stuff back and tell me what you're doing where you live and 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 give me an idea what your place looks like and what you guys do for a living if you do anything so you know, I, 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 we started having all these experiences and I, and to this day, I mean, I've been involved with all kinds of, of, uh, of C5 groups and pages. I'm, I'm going to be uh, doing a trip to Mount Shasta soon uh, with some friends and um, it's just been phenomenal. I built a, a, a big patio in the back, 32 foot uh, octagon with a six foot fire pit in the middle that we could sit in with our feet so we could stay warm. And uh, we're doing our groups out there now. It's a, it, it's it's just uh, evolved into this unbelievable experience that I want to share with people, and and I I want all my friends and my family to have the same type of experiences that I had. I yeah. mean, you know, some of my other things that had happened to me. One, my most my most personal close uh, to God experience was the same type of thing when I was eating my dinner and I was gonna go outside and I was all excited to go out and do this by myself one night. And I'm eating my soup and I'm playing the app and I'm playing the crop circle sounds. And as soon as I walked outside, I had the same type of flash over the house. And I just jumped up with joy, I was so excited. And this was just after I had started doing it a few months, I think. And um, I jumped, I was so excited. I grabbed the phone and I went to call 
my uh, then girlfriend, who's now my wife, to tell her that they were outside waiting for me. And as soon as I sat down on the chair, two orbs appeared in the tree in front of me, one the size of a basketball, about maybe 16, 17 feet in the air up in the top of this tree. And the other one next to it, about four or five feet away, was about the size of a 12-inch softball. And they were both oscillating and they were both rotating. They were beautiful, pearly blue white. And immediately upon seeing that, that out of the tree itself started shooting at me firework flash bulbs in my face, one after another. And I had 12 to 20 bulbs that went off and each wow. one of them had 10 or 12 dots around them. And they were all even, they were all identical. Each one of them had the same thing, was all the same. And what happened to me was I was completely paralyzed and covered in this liquid love plasma and I couldn't move. And I, I'm, tears were rolling down my face and I was enraptured, the real rapture. I mean, in love, like you never could ever possibly dream. Like you're inside of, of the divine, you're inside of all of creation. Something that you could never ever possibly describe. You have to actually feel that and, and experience it. And that, that lasted, I mean, I, I think I was walking around is stunned and, and I had tears in my eyes crying for probably an hour and a half, two hours after that experience, because it had overwhelmed me physically. It was the most incredible physical experience that I ever had in my life. So, you know, and, 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 and when that happens, uh, it changes everything. Yeah. So now from that point, I'd realized that they had done something to me. They must have touched my DNA in some way and changed, altered something with me. But now I was totally connected to them, to this certain group of beings, this certain civilization. I mm -hmm. don't know if that's my chirpa friends. I don't know if that's my dead family I, that, are, that came in the ship. But I know definitely that that was a ship that showed up and they opened up the door and everybody came out to give me a cosmic hug because that's what exactly what happened. And I experienced that. Uh, uh, it, it just changed my life. And I want yeah. everyone to have this experience. Wow, what and a great, great advert for CE5. Yeah, if you have that want and that desire to, to meet this non-human intelligence, you can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, and, and Walter, have, have you uh, got a similar story to tell with your CE5? Not even close. Not even close. Gary's <laughs> <laughs> uh, experiences, especially since they have been fairly recent are just really phenomenal and i don't know how we found each other but we're both floridians and several hundred miles apart but, but we you know we contact each other frequently it's like having a neighbor and he's been giving me a, he's been giving me a hard time about not coming up there to his place i'm southwest florida he's central florida okay and uh and and experiencing this but covid and and ill health on my part and just timing has prevented me but i'm going to make it gary I, I promise you one of these days and probably one of these days soon but but my ce5 experience first one came well it was really a series of, of experiences that i was being uh consistently once a week twice a week um and being involved in some type of abduction scenario and I would be dreaming and dreaming, having a normal conversation. The next thing I know, I'm in this black void, this, this 
um, waterless cloud of of um, of engulfment, and I would get messages, and I would get uh, I would have craft visitations, um, all the stuff that you hear from just about everybody else mm -hmm. who has an intimate relationship with with extraterrestrials. And like Gary, I, I, I believe that I know who they are. I think it's a faction of the Zeta Reticuli races. And there, Gary's walkie-talkies talking to us there. Yeah, we'll come back to those in a minute, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was about 16, I guess, and, and uh, was, was going to sleep or thinking I was going to sleep. And I found myself outside in my car driving to an area where there was a field, a large field, and those high voltage electrical lines and those towers that are on those fields. So it was a big easement for high voltage power. And I get out of the car and I'm looking and I can see what looks like uh, a craft on a tripod, three or four uh, tripods arrangement, maybe a hundred yards in the distance, maybe not that. And I'm watching these two beings with large heads and the typical uh, Whitley Strieber communion looking gray. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm watching these beings and all of a sudden I see them turn to look at me and they just jump directly into my focus as if I had a pair of binoculars that I drew them in on. Uh, and I'm looking at these beings, they're looking at me and they're unhappy. They, they're wondering, I can hear them wondering, what is he doing here? Why is he here? And I'm sitting there thinking, well, what am I doing here? What, what am I here for? Uh, about the same time, a third being exits the craft and they seem to be doing some kind of work around it at the base and whatnot. And the next thing I know, I'm back in my car, I'm driving uh, in the rain, uh, just pouring buckets back to my house. I'm physically not driving the car is driving itself is the best way i can say it okay. and the next thing i know i'm waking up in the morning and i'm drenched right. there's been no rain outside all night long uh, i'm drenched in my my pajamas or whatever i had on th that i was wearing and a very very clear memory of having this uh this uh, ce5 encounter from there i kind of went off in a different direction than what gary did gary goes for a lot of direct ET contact. I went into the mediumship world and started looking at physical mediums and mental mediums, ones who claim to have contact, ones that we know are having contact by the content that they're providing that is far superior technically than the content of the medium itself would it be able to provide. And watching how that grows, we're in a period right now where extraterrestrial interaction and communication through physical mediumship, through mental mediumship is starting to really ramp up. And I think it's part of the nature of the times so that we start to have better understanding about our extraterrestrial neighbors, the universe in general, the metaverse in, in particular. And yeah. so this, uh, these metaphysical times that we're going through, uh, I think that you see a lot of people having the same kinds of conversations that we're having today more and more all the time mm -hmm. and yes it's getting easier to talk about 1967 when i had my ce5 high voltage encounter you did, this was not the thing that you mentioned anywhere because it never could come up in a conversation 
no one ever started wow. the conversation. And, and was it called C5 at the time or was it? Was no, it gosh, no. no, it was, it was not. It C5's, had no name at all. No. Yes, it had no name at all. Yeah. I just had an encounter. And matter of fact, I had no name for it. And, and like Gary, I got married. I had kids. You know, I went off and did my business. I kind of forgot about it almost completely. And it didn't come back to me in its entirety for well, I'm, I'm 69 years of age, been about 62. So for some 40 some odd years, it disappeared from my life as being important. And I don't remember how I got back to it being important. But all of a sudden, I was in an interview one day and somebody asked me about it. If I ever had a C5 experience, it's just like a light bulb went off. I went, yeah, I sure have. And let me tell you about it. And I was just like, I was talking to myself because I didn't remember the details until I finished it, remembered it, you know, quite particularly. Yeah, there does seem to be a bit of that around of people like um, having these experiences and then suddenly like forgetting it and then it sort of comes back to them later in life. That's, that doesn't seem unusual, would you say? Or no, I think that's that seems to be the case with a lot of contactees yes. is that the, the, the importance of the event and you yes. think it would be the most important, most important events of your life. Uh, certainly as mine, as Gary has said, it certainly was in his life. But you would think that it would have a lasting, more lasting impact and be with you every day. But that's not what happens. And a lot of contactees, a lot of abductees, a lot of extraterrestrial communicators will tell you the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like lost time without there being any time lost, if that makes any yes. sense. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yes, so the same thing with me. I, I agree with you because it's been a long time and I, and how I got back into it was because I just sat down and I agreed to watch something on TV and all of a sudden I tried it and, and my whole life has completely changed. And all the people that I've had with me on these groups, many of them, their lives are completely changed because of our experiences as a group. You know, and now when they're out by themselves, they can talk to ETs or to this non-human intelligence or multidimensional beings, and they will show them that they're here and possibly some messages. But we also find out when we have these groups that people come out and they talk about their abduction experiences when they were a child and something they would never talk to anybody about. And that you find out that's why they're here, because they want to know because of the, what they happened to them when they were young. And now here they're in their 30s or their 40s or 50s or 60s, and they want to see that. And, and they find out that it's real. And possibly the people that they're seeing uh, here are the people that they were involved with or possibly uh, they, the people that we see were involved with the other race that they were involved with and whatever, you know, somehow yeah. connection, somehow Definitely. connected. Now, I, I, came, I became aware of both of you on a recent interview with Grant Cameron uh, discussing the success with the radio contact during CE5 fieldwork. And I understand this is the back on the back of a method that was uh, put together by the likes of Mark Sims and Jimmy Blanchett and others. And uh, I've... Um, been experimenting a little bit with that, that myself i had a have had a radio and i tried to send out tones the crop circles um so i'll be fascinated to hear more about that and i know uh, this is on audio but gary has actually got three walkie-talkies with me if you wouldn't mind explaining it, about them and and how that all works this is jimmy blanchett god bless him he's i love him he's the one who came up with this to prove to everybody that this non-human intelligence can split these frequencies. All three radios are set on the same frequency, the same yeah. channel. And when you see the interactions come through, 
they will be either on the radio that I talk with them, or it could be on any one of these, but one at a time. And sometimes they'll sprinkle and hit one, two, well, one, four, one, three, uh, two, three, one, and they'll go back and forth, but it's all on the same channel. So that's what, uh, where they're demonstrating their, uh, their physics and their technology is yeah. way, way more advanced than what we have. We don't know how that works. So, the, so to ex explain, just to quickly interject, uh, there's three walkie-talkies and they've got a yellow, a red and a blue aerial. So if you ever hear the red one or the blue one, that's what right. you're describing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter to us when we're doing CE5 because we don't care because we just want to communicate. But when we want to talk with people like now and we want to show people the reality of this, we want to show people that, that only one will talk at a time. And we already saw that with this guy talking that I turned on and I broadcast to, and he, he came in right away on this one here. So the yellow one. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I started using the radios a while ago, but not the walkie talkies. I was using uh, CB radio uh, on, on uh, permitted channels and um, uh, also satellite dish and uh, a rig that I had created and made. And, and that was uh, bringing uh, uh, some communication from somewhere uh, and that got me all excited. And then when I saw Jimmy do this radio thing, I went out right away and I got these radios immediately. And as soon as I got them, I mean, five minutes after I read the instructions, I had contact and I've had it all. I can have it anytime I want, any day I want to be with them, any night I want to be with them. I just have to sit down and call them up or play some music for them and they'll come in, they'll talk to me. And playing the music is very special because we share. I share that with them, what I love. And when they know that I love that and they hear that, they, they respond. So is there anything specific that you do to, to say hello or is it just, it's just mixed? The kind of- Well, I mean, I, 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 can, I can talk to them. Uh, let me turn these down so that they don't um, squeal. But if, I you, can if you can give a demonstration, you know, that'd be amazing. Well, yes, absolutely. That's why we're here. But yeah. the thing is, um, yeah, I don't want any feedback. So, um, yeah, would you like to join us in conversation here? We'd love to have you if you'd like to spend some time with us. Okay, Joseph Hodgson is here, <laughs> and your horse is here, and Walter Rucker is here. Thank you. So we'll see if they come in and, uh, and they answer me. Otherwise, I can play a little music for them. Um, now I can turn the volumes back up on these here so that you could hear when they come across whoever comes and talks. Yes, One so of the things that continue the conversation <laughs> and, if they, and if they and they will come and they will interact. We uh, Gary and I were doing a uh, an interview uh, with. <laughs> you said hello. With that was the you want the yellow antenna, wasn't it? Yeah, yep. it was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, they'll begin this chirping. We were doing more or less the same thing, Joe, and with a lady who wrote a book called How to Talk to an Alien, Nancy Deturk. Uh, and Nancy and Gary and I were on, and the, his chirpers were going and blinking just like they are now and, and, right. and making yeah. noise. Uh, while we were talking, Nancy had a flashlight, one of these large uh, wet cell flashlights that you, that you see. Uh, uh, people running around within the storms <clears throat> and she had it sitting by her and wow. she was thinking to herself gee i wish you'd turn this flashlight on i wish you'd turn this flashlight on and certainly enough it did 
if you'd like to see it, my uh, YouTube channel, Walter Rucker, uh, has Nancy and Gary and I, and go about four minutes in. And now this is a lady who had been writing and, and speaking with and, wow. and cajoling with extraterrestrials for a long, long time. When that flashlight went off in her apartment, uh, which is a separate kind of communication. It's a communication that says, here's additional information. Yeah. Here's additional validation. But when that flashlight goes off, she jumps a foot. Yeah, imagine. She, <laughs> That's she crazy. Was, you can wow. clearly see the shock on her face. She was really surprised. And, yeah. And, and oh, we, you can hear it now. Here because we're connected to the satellite, the three of us right now, with one of my chirpers is coming through he's they're yeah. talking they're communicating oh, wow. with us and they know where you are both of you uh through this and connection to the satellite so if you think about them and in your mind you, you you try to contact and ask questions they can hook up with you and possibly you could ask them to do something over on your end to show you that they're with you oh we would love to have that happen that's part of the of the acknowledgement and and uh, uh, when we're doing this something live like this wow. and i want to acknowledge and say thank you to him i'm going to yeah. use a different video so uh, just to explain while, while you were talking walter the <laughs> i was just it was just going off that of the uh, the yellow one but the red and the blue one were were silent and and uh, before you actually you know said through the walkie-talkie to introduce us it, it was silent pretty much all the way through so for, for the skeptics out there, that seems pretty consistent with the idea. As soon as you said, hello, these are the guys waiting, it, it just, it's, oh, it's going off again now. I don't know if you can turn it up a little bit so that we can, I, I can just see. We're up now. Yeah, so I'm hoping that gets that gets picked up. But it's, it's, it's going, it's going, well, let's just say it's going nuts, isn't it, really? The flashing green lights. Is there anything you can decode from that, do you feel? Or is it is it is is there like uh, one bleep for yes, two bleeps for no sort of thing? The, the, the chitter chatter, if I pick it up and talk and say something, um, they'll, they'll respond. Thank you for, thank <laughs> you for joining us. I don't think that we've actually picked up on a Morse code kind of thing. Gary and I have talked about this quite a bit. Uh, and Jimmy Blanchett's doing a really good job of, of stretching this research, trying to figure out, yeah, is this a language? What, do, what are they saying? What are their intentions? What does it say about the phenomena? Um, are we missing an interpretation that's right in front of our eyes? Is it a difficult interpretation that we have to really work on and maybe uh, you know, have some type of frequency um, readings and and recording to be able to keep up with what they're saying and what they're intentioning. The uh, then the, there's the other side of this, Joe, and this, that is they're not really communicating other than just saying hi. You know, they're just yeah. making noise. You know, like a spirit does sometimes, just kind of walks through your house and there he is and there he's gone and uh there's not a whole lot that can be said about the interpretation of of the chirpers it's an unknown yeah and i i think that with a number of different variations of things that could be interpreted by these by these uh uh chirping and and uh, other noises and that we're getting uh it, it becomes a really difficult uh position 
to research and a more difficult one to come up with an answer. And I've always told Gary that I think that at some point they're going to help quite a bit in giving us some special attention, helping us figure this out a little bit. Not cheating in a sense, but just yeah. saying, well, okay, here's a little help. Maybe uh, this, that, or the other will get you going in a direction where we can make some interpretations. But yeah. right now, uh, I think that all the interpretations that we get are the ones that yeah. that we place on the uh, these soundings and these. Yeah. Um, uh, I've got. It's going off again. Go ahead. I've got the, a telepathic message from the radio. One night when we had a group, and that was that was really powerful for me and for the rest of the group because I was talking to them and the chirpers were active. And we were having our, our group. We had a little bit of meditation and music going on. I was playing music. And um, the message came through my head and said, we're here now. Look up. And I, and I said that out loud to everyone. They just gave me a message, a telepathic message. It said, we're here now. Look up. And we all looked up. And the ship was overhead. And they flashed us. And they sat there for at least a minute and a half, two minutes. And they, we had the, the different communication back and forth with the laser and the lights. And, uh, they, and then we saw a ship or some kind of a light leave the actual uh, ship that was there and move away from it. And then we saw the lights get really bright and then dim and then they faded out and they left. Yeah. And then as they were moving, they threw a shooting star out the window and blew everybody away. And I, I remember telling one guy, I said, Tony, that was for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he loved it. Yeah, I just wonder that if, the, his, if these, that was his baptism. I just wonder if the yellow radio is now telling you, yeah, that was me, Gary. Yeah, <laughs> that, that. that was me. That's what he's. That's exactly what he's saying. That was us. Yeah. So you know, this there's so many different civilizations, and I've experienced many of them since I've been doing this because they all manifest in different kinds of ways. So when I when I was going to say was that. One of the group things that, that was very, very important uh, 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 an experience that we all had, and I think there was about 10 of us that night, uh, we had uh, all got set up and ready to do CE5, and I had these chim chimeneas going with the little fire in each one of them, and we were to keep warm. It was cold out. Everyone had blankets and sleeping bags in their chairs, and we were all in a big, huge circle in the driveway, and I forgot my cup of tea. And I forgot my laser. So I ran back into the house. I don't know if this guy's involved with this. Mm -hmm. And I ran back into the house and got my stuff. And I came outside and someone said, there was a flash. And they know it wasn't a plane. And I said, they're here. Because all week long, I was having these experiences, these crazy synchronicity things happened to me that were so bizarre. And what they were doing is they were setting me up. They were setting me up for this group event that we were having, and we were excited because we had people from Canada coming and other people that I had that were friends that wanted to, to uh, get involved in CE5. So during the week, I was watching my, my telephone and I was watching the Daily Show and I was watching Trevor Noah while I was eating my soup. And on the back of him, behind his desk, was the little banner on the screen that said what the story was about. And the story that he was dealing with was, was Chinese genetic engineering. So in behind him, it said genetically modified humans was written on the screen behind him. And as I was looking at that, and I was eating my soup, 
it came up on to my screen, genetically modified humans like your tweet. And I spit my soup. I was what? I'm looking at both of this, these, both of these words are lined up exactly the same on my phone. One is coming from a, a broadcast that I'm watching. The other one comes from Twitter. So I didn't realize that I had made a tweet that morning uh, uh, on, a, on one of the uh, uh, UFO disclosure uh, sites. And um, so then right away after that happened, it came, they came back on, they said, genetically modified humans is following you. And then I just blew it. That just blew me out. You know, blew me right out yeah. of the water. Because I'm looking right at him making that broadcast and it's right behind him. So then a couple of days later, I'm in the studio and I'm, I'm working and I'm cleaning. And people are coming. So I'm getting chairs out and stuff and getting ready for this, for the, our, our group. And I find this mug sitting underneath in the cabinet. I pull it out and I go, oh, that's a good mug. I think I'll I'll put that up on the table and I'll bring that in the house. I could, I could use that, you know, when people are here. So I lay it up on the table and then I thought, oh, I haven't looked at my phone for a couple hours. I got to see if I have any messages. So I picked up my phone and the people that were coming had messaged me and they said, we're at the art museum and we just bought one of your mugs in the gift shop. And I said, what? Mm -hmm. And I, and, and I looked at the mug that I was looking at and I took a picture of it and I sent it back and I said, is this the mug you bought? And they said, yes. And I, my head just was spinning around like Linda Blair and the exorcist. I mean, I don't yeah. know how could possibly yeah. happen to me. And this is two in a row, right? This is two yeah. in a row. So here they come. And I think it was a Thursday or a Friday night. I think it was like a week. I think it was a Thursday night they came. Um, and and um, everyone's outside. And I come back out with my tea and my laser. And, I was, and she said there was a flash. And all of a sudden, I look up. And right, I'm looking right north at Polaris, and I could see above Polaris these two bright lights, way brighter than Polaris, and they were coming towards us. And I just, I could feel it. And I said, ET, ET, they're here, here they come. And I pointed, and it was like, I was like the guy on stage saying, ET, enter stage left. And here comes these two lights in the sky, and they are booking, they're going really fast. And they come right over our head. And as soon as I got over our head, they stopped. And the third light went on and everyone screams, the triangle, it's the big triangle. And we're all hollering and everyone's reaching for cameras and stuff and tripping over each other. And all of a sudden it starts to spin and do some crazy shit. These lights start doing something. And they moved over the house and over the field. And then they started going out over Ocala. And then they're spinning and turns into this five-sided pyramid, four-sided pyramid with a bottom. And mm -hmm. it's upside down, it's pointing down, and it's spinning around like a top, just spinning and spinning and spinning, and it's orange. And all of a sudden, it starts to wobble like a top is going to fall down, it's going to fall over. Oh, yeah, look out, it's going to fall. And everyone's yelling, I'm going, this thing, look at what they're doing. <laughs> and all of a sudden, one of the lights gets real, real bright red. He's enjoying my conversation. Yeah, it gets sure. real, real bright red, and it's so bright, I can't even believe it. And then they're gone. They disappear. And everyone is screaming. And in my head, I got one of the few telepathic messages in my life. And it said, adios, we do crop circles. And I said it out loud <laughs> to the group. And we were laughing. And everyone was screaming out of their chairs. And one woman was crying. And she said, I never, I can't, I can't explain. It's the first time in my life I had an experience. I can't explain to anyone. And it was like, we just, it was an incredible thing that had happened. And they continued 
to interact with us in the sky for at least 30 minutes right in Orion's belt. They parked, their, parked it right there and they flashed us. We flashed back. They flashed us again. We flashed back. This went on for 30 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that is an acknowledgement, if there ever was one, that you're dealing with some very, very advanced yeah. non-human intelligence. We can't do that. They can't. And why would the military or someone put a show on for 10 people in my driveway? We had experience with, with non-human intelligence that was just so outrageous uh, that that there's just no explanation. And it definitely that. wasn't swamp gas. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, I, I moved here for the swamp gas. <laughs> yeah. Just just to explain that the while the radio is chirping, well, I don't think we mentioned it earlier, but those three radios you've got there, they're all set at the same frequency, but yes, only one of them is going off. And you, Yeah. So it is clear I'll that it's, it's by squeezing it and then the other two will go on. I'll do them all for you real quick here. I'll turn the volume down and let's just look at the light. Yeah. Okay. So it's okay. clear that it's when a communication. The Otherwise, the other two would have gone off as well. When I squeeze yeah, okay. the button, the other two go on. See? Yeah. So okay. I can see, just to, I can see, what I'm watching is that the red yeah. and the blue there's walkies your, are, are going okay. off. So now when I squeeze it again, you can see they go on, right? We're on the yeah. same channel. And if I can change that around and I'll do this guy too. And we can, you know, we do that acknowledgement and say, here you are. There we are. That's the red guy. We're on the same channel. Yeah. Okay. And then I could do the blue guy, you know, you go, hey, hey there, come and visit with us. <laughs> and that's so the what, blue guy. Yeah. I wonder so if the blue one goes off now. now. So I can turn them back up and then we'll see what happens. But when we're talking, but they're interacting with us. I mean, if there was a way that we could get messages and, I could get my frequency higher and, and, and you know, uh, meditate or do something with the music. I could uh, maybe get something from them. But uh, for now, they're just the fact that they're here with me is, is important yeah. to me. And there's no well, other explanation uh, from your view. There's no other explanation as to why one goes off and the other two don't. That's that's a purely mechanical thing. I mean, I can't think of one. But it, 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 I mean, it seems clear to me that the fact that one's going off and chirping away and the other two are, are silent at the same frequency it's clear that this isn't a mechanical thing going on for anyone who might be thinking oh it's you know there's it's a faulty radio <laughs> see there's the yellow yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna talk on the red and see okay. if i can talk on the red if they'll uh, change this is live All experiments right. now yeah <laughs> yeah well, well, you're inviting you to come and join us thanks you asked uh, in an email joe what did we really think the the phenomena is? What's what's yeah? I, I was hoping to yeah to, to touch on that and to talk a bit more. And you've already explained a little bit about the certain races that you think they are. But yeah, if you've uh, well, I think that, that I think that if you just listen to to Gary's experiences alone, you'd walk away with a, a big question mark. You know what what is this that we are really <laughs> getting our hands yeah. around? And you multiply that times the millions of people out there who are having experiences and, and what they're coming forward with. It's almost impossible to answer what the is the phenomenon because it's apparently it is many, many, many different things. It's part illusion. It's part real. Uh, it's part of our own uh, uh, collective consciousness acting in a way that is hopefully uh, maturing us as we move on in these exciting ages, as we make more and more extraterrestrial contact. Uh, but to, to put a button on it, there's really nothing that you can 
come up with in a, in a short sentence that says what the phenomena is. Yeah. It is truly individualistic for one thing, but it's also complicated by the fact that we don't have necessarily have um, a direct um, ability to determine who it is that we're communicating with. Now, in Gary's case, for instance, with his, his chirping walkie-talkies here, we're getting a communication that is, as you said, is mechanically dishonest. Uh, if you've got three um, radios all tuned to the same frequency, yet one is only, is only one of them is giving off these uh, significant chirping sounds. Uh, how, what are you to make of that? Is it, a, is it a non-human intelligence? Well, like Gary says, I don't know any humans that can perform this type of frequency manipulation. But, but that says what it isn't. It doesn't say what it is. And I think we're just now starting to move in the direction of where we're going to have the type of contact and the type of information coming out that's going to directly associate us with particular beings from a particular place. And I'll give you an example. Right now, I'm working on a tour for Paul Hamden. And Paul is a physical medium who has uh, written about 1,500 or 1,700 pages on communication with the Zeta beans. He does a seance-style sitting in red light, and he gets overcome by the Zeta beans, and they speak, and they talk, and they do Q&A. Uh, and we're looking at doing uh, several of those uh, in some of the major hotspots around the United States. Well, in his case, we're moving toward, Paul's moving toward where he is, he is saying, okay, this, these are Zeta beings. These are people, a faction of the Zeta reticuli. These are the Anorians. These are the Anunnaki. These, in other words, he is able through a feeling of energy and also by self-identification, these um, races are coming forward and saying to us, hey, we're from here, this is who we are, this is how we interact, here are the problems that we're having interacting, here are the pluses that we're interacting. We all are different beings, we all have different sets of, of uh, troublesome uh, interference with our communication with the human race that we all have to figure out how to do. So getting back to your question, what is the phenomena? There's no telling what it actually is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's if, if the, you have to put a face on it, I would say that it is humankind's way of dealing with the extraterrestrial question while living within the illusion of physical reality. And, and if you stop and think about that just for a second, if physical reality is truly an illusion that is created by our own collective consciousness, it isn't something happening to us, it's something happening through us, mm -hmm. then what do you say about a craft that Gary sees or a craft that someone else sees or my CE5 encounter? Are we now dealing with illusions within illusions? And if that's the case, what's the significance and the importance of these experiences? Mm -hmm. So you, when you get away from saying, gosh, I really got to know what the phenomena is. And you back up and say, well, how's this working for me? What, what am I changing? What am I thinking? Who am I now that I wasn't a week ago 
or a year ago or 10 years ago or 40 years ago and how these things affected me, I think you can then start to zero in on the importance of the phenomena because I don't think the importance necessarily is in identifying a species, a race, or a set of beings uh, and putting them into some kind of cubbyhole so we can say, well, these are Zetas and these are Anunnaki mm -hmm. and these are such and such. I think it's a lot more important, and I think Gary has emphasized this, that you try to see what am I getting out of this? What am I changing? What is it challenging? What paradigms of mine are being exposed? How is this supposed to relate to me? What do I, can I get out of this? Leave the questions about what the phenomena is to the phenomena. They'll tell us when we're ready. Yes. We're perfect. not going to know when we're ready. Think, They're going to tell us. Yeah, and I think CE5 is about perfect. that. Yeah. Yes, that's what CE5 is. And that's why the, it's being so highly proliferated these days. We're getting closer and closer to that one-on-one, face-to-face, what I call hard contact. Mm -hmm. And it will be a group of individuals. I probably will not be part of that group, but I would be surprised if Gary is. <laughs> that are that are that are made and have face to face contact. And I fully expect this to happen within the next decade, if not earlier. So we're marching very quickly, but also taking little tiny steps as we yeah. do that. And during this period of time, as I tell the people that, that I talk with, let the phenomena expose itself to you as it wants to yeah. you as an individual in this uh, illusion of physical reality what are you learning what are you experiencing that's what's important because that's what you're going to yeah. take away from this whole life that we're living here on earth definitely can yeah, relate to that and when you think about why sorry gary why, why uh, aliens or ets or other beings or whatever you want to call them aren't just coming here directly standing on as they say the white house lawn and saying hey i've been here for a while that's some of the questions you might get asked by people just entering the subject but when you've been in the subject for a while it makes it makes quite a lot of sense why they are sort of standoffish but only allowing their uh interaction to happen to certain people who are ready and it's 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 key that well there's a lot of people on the planet right now that probably aren't ready they're they're, they're not consciously able to to see this as as a positive thing and and would be would be scared by the phenomenon and um you've got to accept that you know we've got to get to a point where we're at a point collectively where we are ready to to receive the messages and to interact and not be not be a threat to them but you know invite them in and it, that's i think that's key um so that that is a big reason why you know i i do see five i feel that i feel ready i feel like i'm not I'm not scared of finding out more about these things. I'm, I'm fascinated. I want, I want, I would like to have the meeting tomorrow, but obviously I've got to wait, be patient for, for the world to be ready. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really true, Joe. And, and everybody's going to come along on their own pace anyway. So mm -hmm. uh, you just take care of Joe and I'll take care of Walter. Gary, <laughs> take care of Gary. And we'll be just fine. Uh, yeah. But it is coming in, in different ways and styles and fashions and, and amounts of this. And, I get this question a lot. At what point is the turning point where we will have a collective consciousness that, that openly acknowledges and communicates with the extraterrestrial uh, and the non-human intelligence community? And the answer isn't what most people would think. It's not that one person over 50%. 
I really think it's something more like 100,000 or 125,000 or the famous 144,000 yeah. that everybody talks about. I think it's really more a, a symbolic number. And it isn't an overwhelming majority of the people on the planet all of a sudden come to the realization that extraterrestrials exist, that they are in contact with us, that they are passing messages to us, and we ought to be paying better attention. I don't think that's going to be the case. It doesn't take a whole lot of people to change, uh, uh, make a major change collectively and globally. It, it needs to start with a kernel of people. And I think that you with your CE5, Joe, with what Gary's doing, both my uh, attempts at bringing mediumship involved in this for communication purposes with extraterrestrials. All these are little pieces of things that go toward the proliferation of this idea of having contact now and having meaningful contact now. But mm -hmm. I don't think it requires, as I said before, that we be able to walk out on the street and pick 50 people out of 100 and have them agree that extraterrestrials here are communicating with us. I still think it's going to be kernels of folks like us and yeah. hundreds of thousands of people like us doing podcasts, uh, doing his experimentation Gary's doing with his chirper radios. Uh, my proliferation of, of uh, physical mediumship and Zeta communication through that means it takes all those pieces and that at some point there will be a tipping point without there being a 51% margin of people believing in this. Yeah. And once that point gets to, it's going to move very, very quickly. And that's why I stand by what I say. I think we're, we're going to have a small group of people, a hundred, maybe a thousand or so, that are going to have face-to-face -face extraterrestrial contact with beings that look very, very much like us and have a very, very similar frequency to us. And you had mentioned about why don't they just land on the White House lawn or wherever that you might want them to land. Mm -hmm. One of the physical attributes that we have to overcome is that we have got to be able to raise the frequency of our own physical vibration yeah. to a point where they can lower theirs to a point where we meet somewhere roughly in the middle. That's why I've called it up the vibe. It's up the vibe. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's, and that's exactly what, what's got, got to happen. And it's think, starting uh, to happen. Do you think it's connected to the kind of, uh, I, I guess you know about the, the description of 3D to 5D consciousness, the third density to fifth density, and, and how much we've, we've expanded from through 4D into the 5D. Do you think it's all connected to that as well in terms of, as you say, this, this sort of picture of humanity being ready? I, I think so. And I think there are lots of different terms that are being used. I, I particularly like the one that you use there. Yeah. But I think that's exactly what's happening. Uh, and I think that there's, there's, go, there's still going to be a lot of people that will go through life that, that we will know their friends and family that just never get the, the hint. It wasn't a part of their experience to be here during this. Their, their experience to, for physical reality had a different path than ours. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean they aren't paying attention. That doesn't mean they aren't listening. That doesn't mean they're not thinking about it because they're doing all those things, whether you, they think you're nuts or crazy or, or you know, on exactly. drugs. <laughs> they still I think the are... stigma is ending now a little bit. <laughs> I think I think it is, too. Yeah. And, and I, I look to people like Grant Cameron and others who are really jumping into the consciousness part of this equation mm -hmm. yeah. rather than the nuts and bolts part of the equation. Uh, are there 
nuts and bolt craft? Absolutely. Are there craft that are etheric in nature? Absolutely. Uh, again, we go back to what is the phenomenon? How do you put a put a uh, that uh, description at a bottle? And the answer is you just really can't. It's too personal. And there's too much variation, and there's too much more that we've yet to experience that we know nothing about. Definitely. Uh, maybe we could expand on that uh, topic on consciousness because it it was. Um, I don't know if you know about Donald Hoffman, but he he's he did a a uh, interview. Uh, where he was describing um, his theories on how consciousness is primary, and there were there were other things as well, like the um, the holographic uh, universe, uh, Michael Talbot and others that have described through equations as well that connect to Hawking and De Hooft. They're talking about how the information on the on the on a black hole that's on the surface is uh, is uh, well the, the information is proportional to the surface area not the volume and and by looking at how information works in the black hole they're able to um, basically through that say that we could be living in a 3d projection on a 2d plane which was, is, is mind-blowing but from that and thinking how reality could be very different to what we experience physically and then moving on to what Donald Hoffman was saying about consciousness being primary and material the material will be in secondary um, and actually what you, you were saying earlier about, you know, this is a conscious experience. Um, it, it really was what, quite mind blowing. And I wonder, I don't know if you want to expand on that, but I certainly, I certainly think it's the same that, you know, consciousness came first. And at some point we consciousness developed the ability to manifest matter and, and live in this, this experience. Yeah. Well, consciousness is everything. Uh, yeah. Everything boils down to it. Within consciousness is energy. Uh, within consciousness is recognition. Uh, the problem that we have with discussing consciousness is we can't, again, we can't put it into a bottle and say, here it is. This is the mm -hmm. explanation for it. It's, it's all that is. It's everything that we are. Uh, it, permeates its, it permeates its own consciousness. It creates its own sets of experiences. Uh, people like to think of that as a godlike attribute or Jesus-like attribute. If you want to think of it that way, I don't have a problem with that. That's entirely up to you how you want to relate to consciousness. But it is everything. Everything is manifested through consciousness. This physical reality that we are looking at right now as you and I talk to each other, we have our headsets on, Gary's playing with his cheerful radios, and his beautiful artwork in the background there. But this consciousness that, that, that we're dealing with right now is just nothing more than a projection of the experiences that we want to have. This is a very, very difficult thing to try to understand because yeah. in order for us to create physical reality, we have to borrow information like your black hole. We have to borrow information and bring it in, string it together in such a way it makes sense to us in physical reality. We don't do that in dreams, by the way, which is why our dreams are so chaotic and haphazard. We don't have the need in dreams to string things together to form a conclusion. We're able to make those conclusions through random and chaotic effects in our dreams. But in physical reality, you know, one foot in front of another. Uh, you got to turn yeah. the car key to get the key start. I mean, get the, the car started. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, we deal with uh, these severe limitations, language limitations, sensing limitations, what we see, can hear, and whatnot. We deal with all these different problems. 
that we have that are part of the conscious experience that we're creating. And we have to borrow all this information, string it together and put it like a frame going through a movie camera. And we end up with what we have right here, which is basically what we have. We have Zoom and the Zoom interface, which is a bunch of frames of, uh, coming through movie cameras. Yeah. Well, physical reality is no, really no different than that. We've just taken such a, uh, a position that it's so real because we can tap on it and knock on it, stumble over it and, and pick it up and throw it. And, you know, all these different things we can do with conscious material items. But the bottom line is, as any physicist will tell you, cellular microbiologist will tell you, you open up a, a tree or a, 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 a uh, open up somebody's finger and look inside. Mostly what you see is dead, empty space. Yeah. <laughs> and inside that space is consciousness. That's where exactly. it resides in there. So it becomes a very difficult conversation to try and to, to, to move the idea of consciousness out into um, a wide area where we can all get our handles on it because ultimately we're living it and that's the best experience that we're ever going to get of. And to expand on what you were saying with uh, the, I mean, I've read a bit about string theory. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but when you listen to the, the experts on string theory, they're describing a world that's about vibration and of uh, frequency and when we we were talking earlier and about raising your frequency and and th third density to fifth density uh, consciousness this is all about frequency it's all about vibration so it kind of takes takes the material side of things and puts that to a side and said no actually fundamentally everything is vibration vibration of this conscious field whatever that is and we are individuals within that field having our own experiences which but we're all connected to this one conscious field we are part of the one you know it's when when we when you can see reality not as this um separate individual experiences that don't really matter that that that's quite it's quite hard to take but when you start to see reality as a combined collective experience is all part of the same unity consciousness it's, it becomes quite magical and quite uplifting. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, it does. And I'll tell you, one of the things, Joe, I don't know exactly how old you are, but you certainly are much younger than Gary and I. And it's, and it's really... Maybe a few years. <laughs> maybe a few years. But it, it's really... It, it's, a, it's a heartfelt thing, I say, that it's so good to see that the, the, the next generation, the generation following on behind us, Gary and I are an anomaly in our generation we're the we're the weirdos the outcasts we're the guys out there you know running around in the lunatic fringe you guys are coming on to your age group and your generation and you're going to have a much more expanded opportunity to do the research and do the work on consciousness and the extraterrestrial questions yeah. and all of these things that we are and or, or will ever have it's, it's really that, exciting yeah it is very exciting to see i wish i was going to be a part of it and maybe if i stick around long <laughs> enough i will but. i'm sure you sure you will but if you if you read um uh, dr mary rodwell and her books on uh, yeah. some of the people that she's interviewed and you realize that the the connection to the phenomenon is is just getting bigger and bigger and i think you know my children may have uh, even more of a connection that i could ever imagine you know to to this sure at some point and I, th I think there was definitely a growth in in that that's you know that we, we we can't really see at the moment or well we do see it but it's it's just going to get bigger yeah can you imagine can you pop i can't 
possibly imagine what the world is going to be like if you're 10 years of old today and what it's going to be like when you're 30 or when you're 40. I, I can't even imagine this. I, if, if my timetable is correct, we'll be having dinner with the Zetas. I mean, literally, we, we will be having interaction on a communal basis uh, with multiple non-human intelligence spread out across the universe, come to visit us, us going to visit them. We're just going to have an unbelievable upsurge in the amount of learning and education, especially for us as humans on this very limited planet that we live on. As beautiful as it is, it's mm -hmm. severely limited in its ability to provide a, um, experience to us other than the experience of the planet itself, the physical experience of the planet. But uh, I, I just think that it's it's absolutely fascinating to see some of you younger guys coming along with what Grant Cameron calls young guns, <laughs> the young guns come along. And you've got different ideas and you have different experiences and, but you, your best days are ahead of you. and That should be a whole That'd lot of fun. Yeah. And I can attest to how, when the UFO topic gets you hooked, you just, you want to do nothing but read up about it and just, you know, uh, I can just say that if other people, when they, you know, they might be skeptics right now, or they might say, Oh, it's nothing. But that moment, that experience, maybe they listen to something or maybe they listen to this podcast and it might be the, the start of, of, a, of a journey that just, well, from what I can tell from my own experience, it, it's never ending. It's just, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> the amount of yeah. stuff you, you in the topic. If you don't care and you're a skeptic and you don't believe that there's life out there and all those stars are suns like ours with planets, because we can't go there doesn't mean they can't come here. And if you don't believe that, they're not going to waste their time with you. They're not going to show up for you. Why should they waste their time and break the dimension and, and stick their toe in the water so you can see them? They're not going to do that for you because you don't care. It's, it's a joke. They, they also have a sense of humor, some of the civilizations anyway that, I, that I've encountered. But in the reality, you have to be ready you have to want to have the contact with them and you got to really open up your heart if you can sit down and listen to music and get yourself into a, a spot where you'll bring tears to your eyes because you feel so much love or gratitude mostly the gratitude is a big big deal gratitude for your life or love for someone that you lost or or, or someone that you know that's, that's hurting right now or something, and you bring tears to your eyes while you're sitting out there under the stars and asking for them, they will feel that through you because that's your vibration now, as high as you can get it in that area of the love. And when you do that, they're gonna throw a shooter right at you. And I mean, it's happened to a lot of my friends already, and they've just said flat out, I had tears in my eyes and I, I and I was thinking about this or that and that's what happened. So that's reality and it happens to us a lot. I mean, yeah. I can do it almost all the time because that's why I choose certain pieces of music to play for them because I can get, I'm a musician and I can get into the music, feel the music through me. They can either feel the music through me or they can hear it through the radio or they can hear it or feel it through the radio uh, vibrations or whatever, however they're getting it, but they are getting it somehow. And, and when that happens, then we have an interaction now. What's going on on the other side? I have no idea. 
I'd like to know. I I, I want to know. I I think more and more when I when I meet people like Paul Hammond, I wonder if these are the Zetas. These might be those guys that are coming to me on the radio. I I listen to uh, Penny Kelly, and I want to know if uh, some of the beings that she's encountered may they be uh, some of the beings that I that I've encountered. This is the thing with Jimmy Blanchetta. Are you talking to the same people on your radios that I'm talking to? We would like to know those things. And eventually, if we have enough people involved, then we'll find out more stuff. And this is the whole this is the whole thing is to get as much knowledge as you can. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I encourage people, you go out and buy a radio, tune them all three uh, same frequencies. Make sure you've got a radio that can read frequencies, not one that just says channel one, two, and three. That doesn't work. But oh, it might work. I mean, I've, I've had experience where I've heard uh, noise coming from it, but I have not had communication like I have yeah. with these type of radios that have a higher wattage. Uh, but um, it's just that we all have to do it. And Jacques Vallée said, it's not the military. They're not going to come for the military to talk to the military. The military wants to shoot at them, wants to use it, wants to steal technology to use it for other things. They're going to talk to real people, regular people who care, people who know what it's like uh, to be uh, uh, in, a, in a, a good, loving relationship with other beings, because then they like to be in that relationship with you. Yeah. And just uh, on, on a purely speculative um, idea that the the fact that they are chirping away, but there is no seem there seems to be no coherence or way to decode it easily. That that kind of gives a, a sense of mystery here, and it's a, it gives exactly. us a journey to go mm -hmm. on. And it and it exactly. it feels like it, it's it's deliberately meant to be a, a journey of learning exactly. and experience that take, stops us from. If they just said right now, uh, "Hi, I, I'm Bob the, from Zay, from Zeta particularly," you know, "Hi," <laughs> it sort of takes away takes away some mystery. It's amazing that radio. would be. Everyone could do it, and then they yeah. would all understand that it's real. See, because yeah. they could see that there's only one frequency, and they're breaking it up. Yeah. So that's really a, a, a good point. The, the mystery is, is the path, that's the journey, and that's where all the fun is. And if it's not fun, what are you doing it for? So, I mean, uh, if, if it was just all black and white, it would be just more information. We move on to the next piece and then the next piece, and mm -hmm. there would be nothing particularly special about this. Now, it, in saying that, it, it is a bit frustrating. And I know Gary yeah. has and I has, have had these conversations where it's basically what we're saying is, wish the hell we knew what they were saying, you know? But but that will all come in time. And in, in the process, we get the path and the journey and all the fun of trying all the ins and outs and, yeah. and different ways of trying to make this thing work. So I would have to agree yeah. with you, Joe. There's a mystery involved, and mystery is a very, very big piece, very important piece to this. And uh, Gary, like, what kind of what kind of music do they uh, like listening to? Do you have a an idea of? Preference? I listen to classical music exclusively when I work and paint uh, because it gets me into the zone, and it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's very, very much. Uh, uh, it, it packed into the heart. I mean, it's all from the heart. There's no screaming and yelling like in country and rock and stuff. So, you, I mean, it's a very, very uh, complex music. I like to choose like some Mozart uh, piano concertos and some Bach uh, cello uh, sonatas because they're more mathematical in mm. nature than they, they and they have feeling associated with them, whereas they are 
uh, uh, louder and softer and, and how hard or how light you, you strike the strings or blow into the horn. All these things and all these melodies are all made out of mathematical uh, sequences and equations and whatnot. And that, uh, when they hear that, they're a higher intelligence. They can go ahead and decipher that in some way to make some kind of sense out of it and find out that what I'm listening to is really unbelievable, whether they can hear the music, feel the vibrations or whatever it is, uh, but, they, but they get it. And maybe they can even finish the piece when I just play 30 seconds for them, they can go through the whole five minutes and, and finish it for themselves, who knows? But I play varieties of music and mostly to get their attention through me because I can feel that music deeply. And, and I, that's very important. And when I do that, when we have a group out or something, I try to explain to people, listen to music, but feel it. Listen to it, open up your heart and feel it. Listen to these voices that are singing because I like to play music that is created for the divine. And when you go into classical music, you go to Bach, you go to Beethoven, you go to Brahms uh, and Mozart, they all wrote for the church. They wrote masses, they wrote all works devoted to God, the coronation by Mozart, uh, the birth of Christ. You, you, you get into the, the Requiem by, uh, by Mozart and by, uh, by Brahms, and, that, and, and that's the death of Christ and, 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 and the crucifixions. And when you listen to that in the All Night Vespers by Rachmaninoff, you, there's no music in Rachmaninoff, it's just voice and, and, and oratorio. And when you hear that, it's it, you can feel it really heavy duty and they get it. They like to hear that human voice and that that devotion to the divine is very big. So it really literally brings beings to me, it brings them out of the woodwork because they want to get close to you and they want to hear this and feel this. And mm -hmm. when you are doing that, you can sometimes feel the vibrations all over your body, like kind of like you're. I don't know, it's not a numbing situation, more like a light electricity vibration. Yeah, I've, I've had that, yeah. Knowing that they're with you and they're here with you and they're listening or they're, or they're trying to communicate, you know, you feel it. So that to me is, is really a big part of the game because I want to interact with the bees. I don't want to just see flashes of light and shooters all the time, which is, is common. I want them to come into my studio and sit down and paint with me. And when I do paint, I'll put the chirpers on and they will be sitting here talking to me while I listen to music all night long. And do you get inspiration on, on your painting from, from that? Or do you feel it comes to you? What, what to paint through, through your contact? When I, when I paint it, it, it's my form of meditation. It gets, I, I leave the room. I mean, I go and I just mix, I squirt all my palettes out and get everything already in my materials. And then I go to work. I don't know what I'm going to paint when I'm painting. I don't know what kind of landscape I'm going to do. I just start working and all of a sudden things start to show up and colors start happening and then it develops. And that's part of the fun because you're supposed to be enjoying having fun creating. I mean, it's supposed to be exciting and enjoyable, not, not just a, an endeavor or work. So I have done some channeling, what I call channeling, but more deep meditation and more of an allowing myself to not work on a landscape, to just lay out canvas and just start pouring all kinds of liquid paint and start messing around like a child and come up with images and ask them to paint with me. I did that and I came up with, I think I did six paintings 
And I posted them on Facebook a while ago. It was, I think, a year and a half ago in October uh, of 2020. And um, uh, that is, uh, I believe it was 2020, maybe it was 19. But I did uh, these paintings and to see what I could bring. And I came up with stuff that's just out of this world, that's just out of the ordinary that I normally would not paint. And I have no connection to any of these, uh, these images or anything. And um, I just, I'm thrilled with it. I'd like to do it again, but there's a lot of preparation that goes into that too. And I have to lock myself out of, away from the rest of the world for a, a period of time. So I'm not bothered by the dogs or by my wife or by someone calling or coming over or anything like that and just do that. And I would like to get more deeply into that and have them be more involved because I wanna know what they're, I want them to show me through me, through my craft, through my skills, what they're, what, is over there from where they are. I want to know what does your land look like? Your what is your landscape? What what do your people look like? What does the city look like? What is, do you have towns? Do you live in caves? I mean, what what do you do? You all live on the beach in huts? I mean, I want to know uh, some of these things. So so maybe that's where I can be of service to my species by bringing something from them and doing that. And I know people are doing that now all the time. But I'm not quite there yet. I, I, I've had some experiences now, but I, I need to really work at that. And I'm busy all the time trying to make a living. So that that's, I've got to squeeze that stuff in between there, too. You know. Yeah, so. I'll add a link as well for to the to your website with, with your art so that people can take a look. Sure. Mind. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, uh, Walter, if we could maybe talk a little bit about out of body experiences. This is something that's i've uh i've been interested in i haven't i don't feel i've had an out-of-body experience myself but i have been trying um to to get somewhere with that i know it's it's something you shouldn't you shouldn't, shouldn't take lightly you need to you know you go with trepidation but don't do, uh, describe how you how you got into that and and what it feels like well i was i was not trying to have an out-of-body experience <clears throat> i was um I was laying in my bed one evening, six, seven, eight years ago, I guess, and uh, found myself going into what I would call that feeling that you have right before you go to sleep. It's mm -hmm. almost a trance-like feeling and getting stuck right there. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, I want to go on to sleep. And the next thing I know, I'm looking down at myself from the corner of my bedroom and I'm laying on my bed and my etheric self is up in the ceiling looking down at my at me, which is a, way, a very strange thing to do. So look at your physical body. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? About as quickly as I doubted that, I snapped back into my physical body. Well, is there anything this, about that experience that told you that this was you visualizing yourself as an out-of-body experience rather than visualizing, visualizing yourself as a memory or like a projection of what you might look like from the corner of the room? Yeah, sure. It, the, only, the only thing is the realness of the feeling and the vibration that goes along with that. And that's, that's here we are talking about resonance and vibration and frequency again. Mm -hmm which is what I have found in the way I have taught out-of-body experience of those that, that are looking for a way to create that 
astral image of themselves is I concentrate with my eyes closed on the inside center of my forehead. And when I do that, and I, if I do it right now, it'll start. So I'm going to open my eyes up. <laughs> but I get this a, is like the third a, eye. <laughs> it, it, it's what it's 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 what I think that people all the way back to the Egyptian times we would call the third eye. I right. I don't know if that's exactly what it is. If it's just an ability to concentrate. If it's really what I'm doing is is increasing a frequency. That allows me to create separation from my physical body. I haven't figured all that out yet, but this vortex starts spinning and pretty soon the vibration begins. And when I'm talking about vibration, I'm not talking about a little shaking like a, it's cold outside. I'm talking about serious vibration. And whenever that starts, I know I'm about ready to pop out. Uh, the, the, the problem is, is that it, it goes back to your first question. How do you know that this is something real and not an image? And there are times when it, it feels impossibly real. In other words, like it couldn't be anything but a real happening where I'm out of my body doing something with my physical body being back on the bed or back on the sofa or where it happens to be. There are times when I pop out, I don't even know that I've done it. And I had a one time where I had the vibrations were starting. I was trying to create an out-of-body experience. The vibrations were starting. And that's a scary thing. Until you get used to it, you're sitting there shaking, literally. Okay. And your, your hands are vibrating. Your, your arms are vibrating. Your body is literally vibrating. And you start to feel as if you're going to come, come apart physically. And just about that time during this one particular session, I decided to call it quits. I'd had enough. I just didn't want to go that that extra um, uh, set of frequencies up in order to be able to pop out and have an out of body experience. So I quit. Well, I thought I quit. I got up from uh, I was laying on the sofa. I got up from the sofa. I walked outside and noticed that uh, there was a, a repairman there, and that the my typically burnt. Florida lawn, Gary will know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> you know, during the middle of the summer, the Florida lawns are on here, just all burned up with green and lush and it was beautiful. And I laid down on it and I had these two women come by and start talking to me in this gibberish. And I didn't know what was going on. Then it dawned on me, hey, I didn't miss my out-of-body experience. I'm having it and didn't know it. I had popped out of my body and was right. unaware that I had done so and was just going about what I thought was just being, you know, my daily life for that and finding that I was having an out-of-body experience without so, so these, having these two a, women were these women were gibbering away and you they weren't aware of you. No, oh they were aware of me. They were okay. attached at the hip, uh like um what do you call the people that uh, like Siamese children oh, okay. were attached. <laughs> Right. They were attached at the hip, sort of like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Okay. And they come walking down the street and they turn around and they get in my face and they just ask me the craziest questions like, may I, or should you be who you are? And I'm going, what? You know, I'm not understanding any of this. Well, I was out of body at the time, didn't realize it because I had popped out so quickly. So the out-of-body experience has multiple forms in it. It has the failed out-of-body experience where I literally, when I fail to reach an out-of-body state, I will 
vibrate and shake. My hands and body will vibrate and shake slightly the rest of the day. It's really kind of a disconcerting feeling. It's not yeah. a fun thing. Then you have the out-of-body experience where you know you're out of body because you're looking down at yourself on the floor, or watching yourself walk away. Or in one case, I was watching myself from the backseat of my car, drive my car, <laughs> which was kind of fun. And then there's out-of-body experience that you have where you don't even know that you're out of body until something screwball comes along like Tweedledee and Tweedledum and, and lets you know that you did pop out of body. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's a real, that's, that one right there will, will set you free right. because uh, it's such an unusual thing to happen. And it's not written about in any of the OBE books out there. Uh, uh, William Buhlman's my favorite author on this, and he writes several books and really some great things on how to do the out-of-body experience, what to expect and whatnot. And I talked to Bill about it and he said, I've never heard of anything like that. And I said, you know, I, that's why it was so strange to me that I was out of body without being even knowing I'm out of body. Do, do you think it's connected to the same uh, stories you hear from people who have near-death experiences and say I, that they... I do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I think that there's there's a common thread that's running there, uh, but that they aren't necessarily the same thing, but they are. But they have such a common uh, point of focus. They have a, such a common operating mechanism, the NDE and the OBE, that I think that that's really kind of the case. I think that an NDE is really a specialized OBE to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. It's a separation of the etheric body from the physical body and that etheric body taking a position in whatever metaphysical state it wants or desires to have in order to get from its higher mind the learning that it wants. <laughs> That's fantastic. I just broadcasted on the blue and now he's coming through the blue. That, uh, yep. See? I noticed that it was going through yellow for quite a while. It's been silent yep, for ages, and then suddenly. On, now he's on the blue. I just talked on the blue, and he came back on the blue. <laughs> he's having a little, having a little chat now. Uh, on the on the on the OB side of things, the um, is it still going? <laughs> how do you how do you teach? I wanted to ask how do you teach OB to because uh, I said you said you're a teacher of OBE. Yeah, I, I teach it by teaching the, the ideas of frequency manipulation and that you have to find what you call the third eye or that point of meditation or that point where your brain is sitting in the, an appropriate state that will allow the rest of your body to your physical body and your etheric body, one and the same, non-separable, except under the OBE experience. And you allow the frequency to come in and do its thing. So you're not teaching, it's not like riding a bicycle where you say, okay, get on the bike, pedal round and round and round, stay, keep your balance, you know, point the wheel and such. It's more of, there's a bike, you, now you have to get on it. You're only gonna move if you pedal it. You're only gonna turn if you turn the wheel. In other words, it's an instruction for a path to take. And that you hope will, click into the majority of your clients or, or followers or listeners and they find their own path to the out-of-body okay. experience and, and i find that to be very successful when i wasn't successful when i was trying to teach a mechanistic viewpoint you know try and do it my way that mm -hmm. didn't work okay. what i had to teach was find your own way here's the bike here's how you ride the bike 
this is how you make it go, but sure. I'm not going to get on the bike with Yeah, I think CE5 has similar um, ideas that you, you start out with the app, but then you find your own route through it and find your own methods of, of initiating contact. And uh, how, how, how long does it take with your students to, to go from, you know, first time to actually having an antibody? Is it, is it quick or is it long or does it change? Between I've had I've had students who have been laying in meditation or in rest during a class that I've been giving, uh, which I typically will give in part, you know, part of its lecture. And this is how we do this. And then it's OK, let's go do this. Let's practice. Let's see what works for us. And I've had them go directly into out of body experiences and come back and relate entire adventures that they've had. Uh, with extraterrestrial beings, with spirit beings, uh, with beings of unknown origin. Uh, I've had the, to happen immediately. I've had people who have tried and tried and tried and never get there. Okay. So it is quite varied and but can be quite quick as well at once for certain people. It can be. And I find fewer people that, if they're earnest, cannot learn how to have an out-of-body experience then there are people that that go into it quickly. In other words, there's, a, I'd say a third, maybe a fourth to a third of the people that attend a lecture or a clinic that I'm giving will have an immediate out-of-body experience. It may be a very small one for a very small period of time, maybe a very intricate and complicated one. I found fewer people that are just not able to do that. Uh, and I think that, that part of that is, as Gary was saying, part of that is intent. Somebody is not going to necessarily come to an out-of-body experience clinic or a lecture to learn, not to learn how to do out-of-body. They come because they're interested in the subject, that they might want to try it themselves. They have an intent, an interest. So they bring all the positive uh, vibrations and all of the the good things that are necessary for this instruction to work they bring it with them so it's it's really was more of me finding the right way of communicating the ideals and the imagination of the out-of-body experience so that they can then go back after they finish the clinic and try their own ways of doing this i'll give you an example most of the people that teach out by experience will teach you don't lay down on a sofa because you'll just get sleepy and you'll, you'll just go to sleep or nothing will happen i teach laying down on the sofa because it works for me and it works for everybody who's there because their intent is not to go to sleep their intent is to have an out-of-body experience mm -hmm. right. so they've come there with, with something that they want to do and want to learn and i say this is the easiest way to meditate. It's the most way, easiest way to get comfortable. Um, and it's the easiest way for me to teach you how to go about doing it. Now, when they leave me, they may go away and find that they do it just by shutting their eyes. I know people that have out-of-body experiences instantaneously just by shutting their eyes and doing a little concentrating. I'm not in that group. I'm in the group that has to have a setting, that has to have some formality to it. Um, even though I've had out-of-body experiences that just, boom, just came on me. Hmm. That, that's more rare. Okay. But uh, I teach is a, is a standard and a setting and bring your intent and with good wishes, we'll have some luck. Do you have um, any technology used like binaural beats or? Anything? I have. I've used the HemiSync technology yeah. Yeah. Uh, from um, 
the Monroe Institute. Monroe Institute. Yeah, thank I've, you. I've got them actually coming on, hopefully, on the podcast. So, oh, is that that's great. They yeah. haven't been around much. So that'd be a good podcast for you. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I've used that. I know students that have pulled things off the internet, off of YouTube, and cut the audios out that they've had a lot of success with. And again, this is part of the mystery, the path. You got to find your own way what works for you. I have some that just don't use any personally. Uh, I don't have uh, out of my experiences very often anymore, other than what you may call dream states. Uh, but if I want to have one, I just lay down. I don't use any of the uh, the hemi-sync uh, binaural beat technology, but it can be very beneficial to those that want that in the system. It puts you in a, a brainwave state that is very conducive to yeah. having the out-of-body experience. Is it hypnagogic? Is that the state that was called? Yes, it, yeah. it, it's that state. That's the, the exact word I was looking for. That's that yeah. state right before you go to sleep. Yeah. yeah. You know, where you, you know you're going to sleep, but you're not asleep and you're you know you're not awake and you're just about ready to tumble over and that's the, the hypnagogic state that, that that we seek yes uh, do you write down your dreams at all or try and make notes of them no hell no first <laughs> of all first of all i don't remember yeah no. i remember so few of my dreams that really? by the time i get a pen and pencil and write them down after waking up you know half <laughs> you know half <laughs> tired and and half hypnagogic um, I don't know what I'd write down anyway that would be of value. And plus, they, sometimes they only last for 30 seconds or 45 seconds. Now, I may come away with some key experiences in that 30, 45 seconds, but I couldn't tell you what the rest of the dream was about. I know people that do that have a great deal of success with that, and God yeah. love them, but that's never worked for me. <laughs> yeah, I know some people who are having some success with that, and I tried it myself, actually, early part of 2020 and wrote them down, and I've, I might... Uh, dig that out and uh, see because when you look back at it you're like wow did i write that at whatever yeah. time it was in the morning it's yeah crazy yeah yeah i think the other part is is i am married and uh, my wife doesn't take a kin to me <laughs> waking up in the middle of the night and okay. taking notes you know with the bed light on yeah. so i've got some i've got some marital limitations <laughs> do you mind me asking if she's um, also interested in the ufo topic or is she... oh no absolutely my wife's name is chris and she most certainly is um we have attended many physical mediumship seances together um her interest started way back when my interest started she had a a craft visitation over her house with a deafening roar and and a full-size sighting, you know, within tens of feet outside of her, outside of her living room window. Uh, so when we started together, one of the first things uh, that we shared were our uh, extraterrestrial experiences. And <laughs> I was 15 and she was 16 at the time. Right. So I was been telling together a while her, then. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. We're coming up on 50 years of marriage. So wow. Congratulations. But the thing, you know, that's a, uh, but I don't think she could have stood this, you know, <laughs> living with me. Uh, Gary, I think Gary's wife, Lily, is, is very much the same way. Uh, Lily and Gary would not be married if Lily wasn't on board with what Gary is doing. <laughs> because it's so odd and so strange, unless you have your partners, if not complicit in it, at least not um, creating a, a, an obstacle for you to have He's your with. She's been with uh, with Matthias uh, uh, Stefano in Egypt for the last several days, and uh, mm. uh, right. where he's connecting all the grids. 
and uh, uh, channeling information into the earth through people. So she's into that too. And she's had her experiences uh, in the past with ETs and non-human intelligence. And uh, she's the one who got me involved in that. She actually, she turned me on to Ho'oponopono, which changed my life. She turns me on to Abraham Hicks, Power of Attraction, which changed my life. I love Esther Hicks and Abraham and uh, Bashar. And I love Bashar. And it's a, a lot of other things have happened since then. I've discovered Ramtha, and, uh, who is one of my favorite, channeled by Jay-Z Knight. Uh, incredible books. So one of his books on on how to contact and how to uh, communicate with UFOs, one of the best books that I've ever read. So uh, she's turned me on to a lot of that stuff. And one of the things that she gave me is this book on uh, crystals. And I so I started reading about the crystals and I ended up getting a couple other books. And then I started learning, I learned how to make crystal healing rods and crystal power rods. And I've done several of those and given those to my friends. And now I sleep with a big bag of crystals and my pillow, large and small, all mixed together. And because I've been doing that for the last six or eight months, probably maybe even a year now, might've been about a year. And I have unbelievable lucid dreams and I recommend to people, all people that you should try to do this. Put uh, lots of crystals, you can put them in a, in a sock uh, together uh, and, and put them on in your pillowcase so that they won't fall off and go ahead and go to sleep with them right close to you. And I guarantee your dreams will start changing because I did not have dreams for a long time. Now I have lucid dreams. I remember them right away when I get up. Sometimes I get up to go to the bathroom. I'm still in the dream when I'm going back to bed. I mean, all these things that happen uh, to me with these crystals is just absolutely amazing. I mean, I've experienced some heavy duty dreams that I can still remember. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention when Walter was talking about the out-of-body experience with CE5 is very important, is to try to learn how to look at yourself sitting in the chair and rise up above yourself. There's some videos out there on YouTube that can show you some CE5 videos on how to make contact that show you that filming way uh, wise. So they can show you what it looks like that you see yourself and then just fly above yourself higher and higher until you can see the land and then you can see the earth and then you go past the moon and then you can yeah. see the earth and you can see the moon and then you can see the planets as you go out and then and then you ask for the ETs to come back with you and bring them back to where you live. Well, what I've done is also in doing that and it does definitely absolutely work in CE5. But another thing that I really like that I enjoy doing is I make myself big. I close my eyes and I imagine myself getting larger and larger and larger as I start breathing until I can reach my right arm over and put my hand in the Atlantic Ocean. And then I can reach over with my left arm and put my hand into the Gulf. And I'm laying across the whole center of the state of Florida now. And that's how big I am. And I'm looking up at the sky and I'm inviting them to come and join me because now they can see where I am exactly. And then the experiences will happen. So those are the types of things you can do to yourself with your consciousness and your mind to project yourself out there to help them see you better. Definitely. I've never heard, I haven't heard that one, but getting larger. That's, that's a new one with me. <laughs> It, it really works. No, I, I definitely, uh, the, there's a Stephen Greer meditation that talks about exactly what you said about going out to uh, the edge of the solar system or seeing, seeing the solar system 
sorry, seeing the galaxy and then coming in, zooming in to the solar system and then seeing Earth and then going back out again. And I, I find that where I've had the most uh, success with C5 is, is with that visualization because, I mean, they know where you are, but uh, in a way, don't they? I mean, <laughs> right. But it kind of, it's, it's a way of inviting them. It's sort of saying, hello, isn't it? So, but that's only one, they know where you are. That might only be one or two civilizations. There's, a, there's so many out there. So when you go out there, you're asking different uh, civilizations to join you, whoever's out there. You're going fishing. Basically, yeah. we go fishing when we do CE5. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, you know, my buddies that's are that's, fishing. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. And, and you mentioned uh, uh, Matthias uh, earlier, and it just reminded me that uh, as we're recording, this is the 22nd of February, 2022. And in the UK right, right now, we're coming up to 22-22. So <laughs> a very important moment, a very important day in, in the, uh, if you believe in, the, in all the numbers and, and everything around that. And, I, you know, there's this idea that Pluto's coming back to the Earth. I don't know if you know about that, but it's it seems... Uh, I'm seems not one for the numbers because... <laughs> Time isn't really linear. So, I mean, the date, today's date is just a subjective date. It's a hypothetical date. It's, yeah. it, 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 I mean, when, when did we start dating? You know, what year, what, what day, and, and <laughs> where was the sun and all? And, and so, like, when we're starting to play with the numbers, that kind of turns me off in a way, even though I know that it's significant in a lot of ways with numbers, with measuring, uh, to measure things. But uh, when it comes to the dates, uh, I, I'm just one of those that just doesn't believe that there's a yeah. there's a linear time zone. Yeah, I, I do wonder about it, but it is quite uh, interesting to see all the twos today. Uh, you know, two is two is a favorite number of mine. So, sure. I agree. Yeah. With this one, huh? Just like so, this is one here. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, the question is, Joe, did did you create that synchronicity, or did it happen to you? With the twos, mm -hmm, just uh, now. <laughs> did you create that synchronicity or did it just happen to you? I, I guess, I guess I may have manifested it in, in a way. I sure. Think, you yeah. Did. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. it wouldn't have happened to you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's again, gets back to this, this whole concept of, uh, and, and Gary mentioned Bashar, who happens to be my favorite extraterrestrial channeler. And I use that word very <laughs> loosely as, uh, is he saying, look, you're making this whole thing up. It's your show. Nothing happens to you. You're manifesting all of these things with your intention, with your frequency, with your vibration. You can live any physical reality you want if you just will believe that you're capable of creating it. Mm -hmm. And most of us, we are born with the idea of God and church and laws and religion and these things that we have to do because we're told that. And no one told us that we are the ones who are creating this physical reality we're responsible for it. we can co-create it we can change it we can make it happen any way that we want to and that's a very difficult thing to understand and come to terms to deal with especially like for, for instance recently I, I went through an illness and i'm thinking to myself why am i making myself ill what am i supposed to be learning from this you know that it's mm -hmm. so important that i would make myself so ungodly ill and now I'm starting to look back and see some of the positive consequences of that illness. Going through it, I couldn't see it because I, I saw everything as happening to me. Here, you know, I got this bug and it's, it's infesting my body and 
and I can't do anything about it except take medications. And the truth of the matter is, is I created this experience for myself. I'm looking back at it now and I'm beginning to understand why I did that. What did I learn? What were the important parts of having that, you know, this horrible illness? And then as you step away a little bit, things can get back into clarity. But if you're st stuck, if your nose is stuck so deep inside the physical reality that you can't see outside of it, then it will always be happening to you. It will be always be happening with no responsibility to yourself. You're a victim and um, you know, you're just going to have to muddle through the whole thing because that's the only choice you got. Uh, I think I just, uh, I, you asked earlier about why I created the podcast and, and you've reminded me that another thing was to practice the power of manifestation. I wanted to manifest something from nothing. And I think part of this podcast was that exploring that power that I have, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. that's why I asked you because yeah. that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Well, you, we you just brought, to... we brought ETs. We brought ETs to the yeah, party. <laughs> Or non-human intelligence, multi-dimensionals, whoever they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you manifested that, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you see something, it hits your eye, you say, well, maybe I, I can have a conversation with these guys because I'm doing some similar things and we can learn a few things and you made it happen. I mean, you yeah. picked up the, you picked up the email and, and got a hold of us. So this was your manifestation and our co-creation of it. And it has a purpose and it has a meaning. And yeah. even if only one person sees this or hears this audio, that's one more person than we would have touched if we hadn't done it. And similarly, well, when, when I, when I have, ex sorry, Gary, when I have experiences, I feel that I used to think, why is this happening to me? But now I think, what can I learn from it? I think this is a, a change of perspective that is a big part of, of the spiritual journey that we're, we're on and something that I've, I've grown towards. Sorry, Gary, you were going to say. No, and I just, I, I forgot. I jumped over for, well, we're going back and forth here. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Joe, yeah, that's, you know, that's why I'm really excited for you and your generation of folks, because you're so much further along than I was at your age. Uh, in a lot of ways, we have a lot of similarities between Gary and I. And, you know, Gary, what are you, 89 now or something? But, but, yeah, 72. Uh, 72. Well, I'm 69. It, you know, but we are having a conversation like we're all of the same age because we're all right. talking the same subject. We're doing it with a little different terminology, perhaps, but we're all basically saying the same things. It's consciousness. We self-create physical reality, mm -hmm. da, 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 da. Uh, but you've got ahead of you 30 or 40 or 50, God knows how many years that you've got of being able to live through this period as it begins to accelerate et contact and communication uh accelerates experiences accelerate uh it's got to be just an incredible time yeah for you and i'll I tell feel. you right now i am nothing but jealous that i'm not <laughs> you know how old are you joe uh well i, I turned 40 this year actually so okay well yeah. you're a, you're a young looking 40 but <laughs> and i mean that in a complimentary way but 40, you've got, you're not even halfway through with your life. And uh, the things that you are going to see and experience and do that Gary and I will probably not uh, are mind blowing. Uh, this podcast that you're starting, don't be surprised if you're doing this for a long, long time. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see. Hopefully, hopefully it will continue. You know, I am enjoying it. And it's, it's definitely uh, amazing to have such, you know, guests like yourself on it. You know, I've been blessed. 
and I'm, I'm definitely blessed being alive at this time. I feel uh, what's more important right now is not not to uh, become. I, I guess it is important to uh, to get in contact with the ETs, but to just to witness the whole how it all develops over time is is a blessing, really, to have have that conscious experience of definitely, you know. Yeah. And it's 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 not just the whole awakening of the ufo phenomenon there's a lot going on in the world right now the whole great i call it yeah the great awakening of uh, of of earth right now the shift in consciousness it's it's an incredible time and we will only really understand how how big this moment is <laughs> i suppose you know later on when we, when we can look back yeah well we're yeah. lucky to be part of it we're, i mean i'm happy that i'm still here to be part of it i can't imagine what it would be like if i was in like my 20s or my 30s and i would have had these mm. experiences how I would go with the rest of my life, all these years, you know, that I'm, and here I'm older and I'm having them now. And it's like, oh, I wish I would have had started when I was younger, but then my life would have been different. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Maybe I wouldn't have had my kids. I wouldn't have, you know, and you never know. I might not even be here right now. I've already, you know, gone over the edge somehow. But I mean, you know, that it's, it's, you're here now. It's happening. It's exciting. We're all involved in it. And, and every time that we can get through to other people to share what we're doing and get them involved in this, this is like throwing the snowball down the hill and it's just gonna keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger as it goes yeah. down the mountain. Finally, it's gonna have to hit something and blow open and everyone's gonna go, wow, look at that. You know, So that's what we gotta do is get people involved to, to do more of the CE5, to go on out and, and, and ask and to get together with their friends and to make groups up together and have these experiences together in their yard or in parks or in sacred uh, places uh, like Mount Shasta or Joshua Tree or, or any, any number of places that people go to, to have these experiences. Uh, but it's just uh, all the Native American uh, sacred grounds. Uh, and, and that's one of the trips that I like to make out west. Uh, we had planned on doing that before COVID, but. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to still uh, take that up in the future. Uh, yeah. But there's a lot of places that you can go and sit at these ancient sites and have your own experience with CE5 just by yourself. Just go sit there and, and feel the energy all around you and go and meditate and ask for, ask for a visitation from someone. And probably more than likely something's going to happen. So uh, that's, that's the exciting thing. It's just all yeah. over. And it's all about whatever you want to experience. It's there for you. You know, it's there. I think uh, you've already uh, answered my uh, my sort of final question I wanted to get from both of you. But, you know, I'll ask it again. Where, where do you think things are going, going to be going? I think you mentioned, Walter, about actually having a contact in the next 10 years, maybe. But how do you see the next, maybe the next year, the next two years playing out uh, with regards to not only CE5, but also governments and uh, the media, how they're going to change? You know, I don't know exactly what the path is in, in terms of disclosure, yeah. what we call disclosure, and that includes governmental disclosure. Uh, whenever we talk about disclosure, for the most part, you're talking about some government participation in that, or they come back and they say, yeah, we've had this contact, or yeah, we did have this contact, or yeah, we're going to have this contact. They're, they need to be, they need to participate in some way. What I sense is going to happen on the political, geopolitical and government side 
the military uh, and the intelligence side is, is that they're just going to let this thing peter on out and show itself little by little by little. And then at some point when it becomes obvious that not only do people like Gary and you and me have extraterrestrial contact, but that they have had extraterrestrial contact. Hmm. I think at that point, it's just going to be an oopsie. Well, I'm sorry, we just couldn't tell you because you weren't ready for it. And uh, the beings that we contacted told us not to. We're going to get some you know, set of excuses hmm. about why they have delayed disclosure. The truth of the reason they're delaying disclosure has more to do with with uh, the technology, the capturing of technology, the owning of technology, and, and those and control and fear among the population, but that that's going to come at some point, and that's all they're going to have left. There will be empty suits with real no really no excuse, and everyone is going to know that they've been duped by their own governments and by their own political leaders and by uh, some of their own truth tellers as well. Mm -hmm. So I I don't see that that's going to happen in such a way that there's going to be a major monumental breakthrough in the next couple, three years. But over time, and again, I'll put this, this seven to 10 year window that I like uh, to talk about, because that's the, the time period that the channelers, the extraterrestrial communicators and facilitators are, are talking about. They're talking about a period between uh, 2029 and uh, 2031 that we are going to start having face-to-face -face communication okay. uh, with extraterrestrials, not on a global basis, but on a more of an individual and a reportable basis. Mm -hmm. So that's what I see happening is we get closer and closer to that military government. They, they're not, there's nothing that they can say. Their best bet is just to sit there on their hands and take their beating <laughs> and then hope people will forgive them later on and believe them when they say that this wasn't the right time to, to bring these matters to the to the conscious recognition of the public. Yeah, I don't believe that that's the case. I think the time is is more and more ripe all the time. Uh, but you know, I think that it's going to be people like Gary who are doing these types of things. Uh, Joe, with your podcast, and mine with just you know talking about these things that's going to get that snowball that Gary's talking about rolling. And once it gets, it's going to be in its own hands. It's going to do its own thing. And there isn't going to be a government. There isn't going to be a military intelligence capability. Uh, none of that is going to be uh, able to put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to, come, it's going to break open. It's going to come out. And they're just going to end up with a lot of explanations that nobody's going to pay any attention to or want to hear. And hopefully the phenomenon will be so far along in contact with us and enough of us that, that alone will be of interest that we won't really care that we got duped by our government because we've been duped by our governments for hundreds yeah. of years now. I can relate to that a bit in terms of, as I said, this kind of higher dimensional consciousness. When when you see the bigger picture and you see the, the path that we're on, you, you don't you, you you do want them to feel like they have some sense of guilt for what they've done and there's a lot of lot of things that have happened in the past which um they should not be proud of but to a certain extent it's all part of a part of a journey it's all part yeah of it, it is i got into physical mediumship because i was writing software for the military intelligence community and i got approached about going to a seance and they wanted to they want to weaponize physical mediumship. And for people that don't know what physical mediumship is, it's the typical 
um, dark room seance, people sitting in a circle uh, with spirit interaction and extraterrestrial interaction coming through a physical medium who is sitting in a, a cabinet with, a, with some uh, uh, clothing, I mean, some uh, kind of curtaining around him and is acting as the manipulator for these events. That's physical mediumship. They wanted to know things like, how is it that that trumpet flies across the room? Or how is it that tambourine shakes in its air when it's not being held? And what is ectoplasm? And all these things that they wanted to get answers from was how I got involved in this. So I'm, I, you know, I, I've been from both sides. I understand the military intelligence votes and what they're thinking about. I understand government's problems with disclosure. Mm. I understand that we're having contact with extraterrestrials on the military intelligence level can have for years and consecutively uh, uh, have been having contact for at least since the late 1940s. And that there's going to be a lot of explanation. But like you said, I think when this all comes to fruition, all that's going to be in the past. We're not going to care that they didn't tell us. We're not going to care what their opinions are. We'll be having our own experiences, looking for our own experiences, mm -hmm. and trying to figure out from those experiences what we're supposed to be learning, and that will be the mega event mm -hmm. in our lives. Yeah. And and you, Gary, do you think uh, this this event or this disclosure is going to happen in the next ten I, years as well? I think the government's going to stay where they are. They're not going to tell you anything because of this play the national security card. They're, this game with them and everything that they say, you're going to tell China, you're going to tell Russia. So we have to be quiet and we can't tell you what we know because you're going to blab. So they're going to try to keep all this stuff secret, even though they're still stealing money and they're doing all this stuff with our with our money. And they know all these uh, these beings and have had experiences and craft and crashes and all these over the last 80 years. But and the media is the same way. The media is not going to do anything unless they are allowed to show the sightings that happen that that people are seeing if it's a mass sighting like the phoenix lights then you can count the media and but the but the government will allow the media to only show certain films or certain pictures like a, a shot of a video game that's supposedly a cockpit or something of a plane that's all you can see which is just bullshit so that's what's going on there with the media but what i believe is that the et's are gonna contact us a lot sooner than what Walter and what Bashar is saying. I think Bashar said 2023 is when we'll start having more contact, but open contact I think was gonna be later. But I believe that there are certain races and civilizations out there from certain star systems that are responsible for seeding this planet. And they've given life to this planet in all different ways. And they've taken some of our seeds here and brought them to other planets because they're, they're, they're nation builders or they're world builders or whatever they're doing, whether it's an experiment or if it's just something that their part of their life is to spread life throughout the universe. Maybe that's their job. But I, I believe that they feel responsibility for what they've done here. And now we're out of control with nuclear weapons and lots of war and all kinds of misinformation that's got people scared in their pants or pooping in their pants. And they're creating the, the, these extremist uh, medias are creating boogeymen for people to be afraid of and boogie women for people to be afraid of and all this other stuff. And it's like the ETs 
are going to have to eventually say, look, we got to stop some of this stuff because these people can't bring nuclear weapons outside their atmosphere. They just can't. Mm -hmm. So I believe that that is going to be the trigger where they're going to actually intervene with the rest of the humanity and come out in the open and say, look, we're here. This is the truth. And I think how they're going to show us that it's real and it's the truth is they're going to verify their existence and their and their and their uh, their modus operandi. They're going to verify it through different people around the planet, and they're going to do it in such a way where there'll be either automatic writing or 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 through some kind of a CE five or seances where people will be verifying the information with somebody that's on the other side of the planet that got the same information and nobody knows each other or anything of it. And the information comes out and is sent through a common uh, area or common group of people so that they can see that all these people don't know each other and they're getting the same messages. And this is how they're gonna verify that this Mm -hmm. information is real and that they are in total communication. And this is the reality of who we are where we're from, what's going on, and what they're trying to do to help us, whether it's to keep the nukes out of space or to keep us from killing the planet with global warming. But, you know, I mean, if Gaia wants to puke and just throw us all off, I mean, you know, she can do that mm-hmm. and just say, I've had enough of you people. And you, and and the, the sun might just say, I've had enough, and just come out with a big sunspot and scorch the planet, and then we'll start all over again. The only thing that'll be left here will be the pyramids and the rest of the bricks and and stuff that's laying on the planet that it's mm-hmm. not going to melt mm-hmm. you know that's it yeah that's the square one start all over start all over again <laughs> <laughs> that's my theory <laughs> I'm well, sticking to it. yeah yeah well it's, it's fascinating stuff and it's, it's exciting to see you know how things will pan out and uh, i just want to say thank you so much both of you for for discussing you know all the various topics we have and and, and the time and and thanks gary for for bringing the uh the, your radios and having all the chirps and everything going on i know that's we haven't got the the video but uh you know we i think we did manage to hear a lot of the chirps going on and, and there was a lot of the green lights so there's definitely a lot of communication there that you know i think they interact around. with us i think yeah. what you're saying they'll come and they'll talk about what you're saying definitely it's it's there's something there and i think you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, if we can try and make what what we're observing, what we're seeing through CE5, make it repeatable and through the scientific methods, find a way to show this, you know, something that this is it. I mean, CE5 is, it's a, there is a method to it and it does work, but we need to do it through the science community and say, you know, this is what happens. I think Avi Loeb with the Galileo projects and what they're doing and other things, you know, it's, it's, it's where things are going in terms of getting academia on board and it's, it's, it's a step in the right direction so uh, again thank you so much and um, hopefully yeah we, we might get to do this again one time good luck to you gary. gary good to good to see you, gary uh, i'll you see too. you soon joe thanks for the invitation and the time <laughs>